Welcome back to Pinpoint History, episode 12, The Sacred War. When last we were together, the kingdom of Macedonia was firmly entrenching itself as the principal power of its region, expanding into Thrace, making allies with their eastern neighbors, the Chalcidian League, and gaining maritime control of the northern Aegean coastlines with the sieges of Amphipolis, Pydna, and Methone. Despite losing an eye, Philip was having quite a successful stretch of years. The cherry on top was the acquisition of the mines at Crenides, now transformed into the settlement of Philippi. These mines allowed Philip to transform the Macedonian army and economy, bringing in a staggering 1,000 talents a year. For reference, the second highest state in Greece when it came to annual income was Athens, bringing roughly half the amount that Macedonia was bringing in. As we can see now, Macedonia was raking in the dough. Macedonia was now undoubtedly the strongest player in its regional sphere of influence, and the Macedonians were now going to face their strongest challenge yet. Philip will soon travel south into Thessaly, become engaged in the political spiderweb that was in place with the wider Greek world. After taking Methone in 354 BCE, shortly after the siege was over, in either late 354 or early 353, Philip received requests for aid from the city of Larissa. Thessaly was once again beset with a civil war as two tyrants from the city of Pharae had taken power. The two new tyrants were named Lycophron and Pithalaeus, and they were on track to follow the former tyrant Alexander's footsteps and conquer the Thessalian League. Two episodes ago, we briefly discussed Alexander Pharae when talking about the relationship between Macedonia and Thessaly, which now has become relevant once more. Back in 369, the tyrant of Pharae, Alexander, had begun his rule. His father Jason had been tyrant and was assassinated in 370, which sparked the cycle of violence with brother killing brother and then the subsequent nephew killing his uncle for power. Alexander ruled for 13 years and in 356 he was assassinated. Now, the rest of the episode will really be about following the individual strands of the geopolitical web to understand how Macedonia will become involved in a larger struggle, encompassing a large chunk of Greece by coming to Thessaly's aid. In 356, Thessaly was embroiled in the conflict now known as the Third Sacred War. Now, what was the Third Sacred War? It has a pretty cool name, and it evokes a religious undertone, doesn't it? Well. That's because you're right. It does involve religion. In fact, it involves Delphi itself. To understand how we're going to get to war in 356, we must first travel back to 382 BCE. I know, I know. It also reminds me of doing the early episodes as well, but I promise that I'll try to make it less information dense. In 382, the Spartans seized the Academy of Thebes, which sparked Thebes to rise up against the Spartan homogeny. And in 371, the Thebans broke the Spartan power at the Battle of Leuctra in 371. Thebes was now the strongest power in Greece, but it would become war-weary. The Spartans, now a shell of their former power, lacked the manpower to project strength outside of the Peloponnese. Now, what does this have to do with Thessaly? When Alexander Ferrey came into power, he created a factional split in Thessaly, aiming to take full control of the Thessalian League. 
The city of Larissa housed an ancient family that was the premier family of the city, and they pushed back against Alexander. They looked for allies and could not find aid from Thebes, and found allies in the Athenians. Alexander was not only pressing his claim against the rest of Thessaly, but was harassing Athens by going after their island possessions in the Cyclades and raiding the port area of Piraeus. They were able to stop Alexander and gain peace. This came at a cost of Thessalian power as the internal power struggle had severely weakened the Thessalians. It was this weakness that would ultimately lead to the Sacred War. This weakness caused the state of Delphi to seek a new protector. As in the past, Thessaly was the main power that protected the city-state of Delphi. In fact, Delphi was unique as it had no military. Protection of Delphi was in the hands of a league known as the Amphictyonic League. This league was comprised of states in central Greece primarily. Now, the Amphictyonic League had primarily been created to make sure that the lands of Delphi and other sacred sites were not to be interfered with at all. Now, the League was made up of 12 tribes, with each group having two votes. Now, Thessaly was a part of the Amphictyonic League, but more importantly, the Thessalian League had four of the 12 tribes within its bounds, plus would hold sway over three other tribes. This meant that the Thessalian League had major influence on the League. With the Thessalian power greatly reduced, Delphi looked outward for a protector as the regions influenced by Thessaly could now exert their own free will, as Thessaly did not have the strength to impose themselves. Delphi surveyed the scene and began to find their new ally. Sparta was too weak to be helpful after the defeat by Thebes, and Athens and Delphi had beef due to Athens welcoming exiles from Delphi, primarily one man in particular a man named Astacrates, who was harbored of having suspicions of seizing the city for himself with outside help. This man was accepted into Athens, and it soured political relations with Delphi. Thebes was the only choice left, and they were given a special privilege known as Promantia, which meant they were given the first crack at the oracle for consultation. In order to keep the privilege, it was implicit that the Thebes be their protector when necessary. Now. With this privilege, Thebes was the power in the Amphictyonic League, swaying votes in its favor. This power, instead, was used for a retribution, when in the autumn of 357, during a meeting of the Amphictyonic Council, Thebes sought revenge against Sparta. Thebes brought a motion out to have Sparta charged for when they seized their Cadmia. Now, despite Thebes crushing Sparta for this act and reducing it into a shell of its former self, they wanted to attack Sparta politically, as refusal to pay the fine that they were to be levied against was seen as sacrilegious. Now, how much was the fine, you ask? It was 500 talents, an exorbitant amount as we now know the top two earners of ancient Greece, Macedonia, and Athens could have the revenue to pay it off, with Athens most likely being unable. Sparta could not pay anywhere near that amount and furthermore, they would only have one year to raise the funds. Makes me think of a group of kids in Sparta baking muffins to raise funds necessary to avoid a sacred war. Delphi, inspired by Thebes' bold action, laid a charge against Phocus. For they had been cultivating the lands in Delphi's sphere of influence, and the Phocians were forced to pay a 500-talent fine as well. 
also due in one year. If Sparta was unable to pay the fine, Phocus definitely could not, and so, a year later in 356, at the next Amphitheonic meetup, the Phocians protested the fine and said they could not afford it. Delphi said they understood and came back with a counter-solution. It was simple. If they could not pay the 500 talents, then they now owed 1,000 talents due once again in a year. Sparta also had their fine raised as well. So now, with this unreasonable demand in their face, Phocus and Sparta would either be forced to pay up or go to war. Phocus during this crisis was crippled by indecision, and this allowed an orator named Philomelus to come to power. Philomelus advocated for defying the Amphictyonic League, and shortly thereafter, he became de facto head of Phocus and placed a man named Onomarchus as the second in command. With Phocus committed to fighting, they began to seek out allies to support them. Naturally, they sought out Sparta first, and while the state of Sparta did not want to be further seen involved with Phocus, one of the Spartan kings personally supported Philomelus and gave him 15 talents. This was just what Sparta needed. Phocus would take all the attention, giving Sparta some breathing room to figure out their next step. Using the money given to him by Sparta, Philomelus hired a mercenary army and begun the Third Sacred War. In 356, Philomelos struck first and marched on Delphi, killing those who were against him and spared the majority of the citizens, although apparently he had to be talked into not killing them. This invasion put the Amphictyonic League on notice that Phocus would rather fight than pay. To the west, one of the tribes known as the Western Locrians attacked Philomelos i got to say this dude's name so many times, this is going to be tragic. But they were defeated. Philomelus claimed that Phocus had the right to seize Delphi due to some ancient pretexts, and most importantly, seize the treasure at Delphi. This was big money. There was so much wealth in Delphi due to the offerings that Philomelus was able to fund his war effort for years if needed. Philomelus also played politics recalling the exiled citizen Astacrates from Athens to lead the city of Delphi. This would make Delphi more friendly to Phocus, and due to the contacts Astacrates made in Athens, Philomelos could now at least expect neutrality from Athens. Now, Philomelos forced the Oracle of Delphi to do a reading, and he was told to do as you will. Using this as justification, Philomelos told those at Delphi and others that Phocus now acted with Apollo's backing, and they erased the debt that Phocus and Sparta owed. This was a cash money moment for Sparta, as they were able to keep political face, as they had done nothing to escalate the situation. And in fact, by paying 15 talents to Philomelos, they had avoided ending up having to pay the 1,000 talent fine. Furthermore, Sparta supported Phocus. Athens gave their tacit approval and the state of Archaea pledged 1,500 hoplites to aid the Phocian cause. Meanwhile, the Amphictyonic League, minus Sparta and Phocus, gathered to declare a sacred war in 356, which would be led by Thebes. The amount of soldiers would be 13,000 men, 6,000 from Thessaly, 6,000 from the region of Boeotia, where Thebes was located, and 1,000 
from the eastern and western Locrians. Palamalus decided on the classic tactic of splitting the enemy force. Using the treasure at Delphi, Philomelus raised a large mercenary force of 10,000 soldiers. Philomelus, to increase recruitment into his army, increased the wage from 1 drachma a day to 1.5. In 355, the fighting would begin in earnest. Philomelus attacked the western Locrians first, hammering their forces, but they fought long enough to receive aid from Thessaly. Then, the Phocians fought both forces and won, but it was not the crushing defeat they needed, and the Locrians and Thessalians were able to retreat into the town of Argolis. Philomelus began to siege the city, hoping they could take it before the force of Thebans arrived. However, they were not able to take the city in time, and Thebes arrived, and the small force of Archaeans also arrived to reinforce Philomelus. The Phocians, not wanting to be stuck fighting on two fronts with the city they were sieging filled with enemies, and the Thebans on the other side, bid a hasty retreat. The Phocian forces began marching south, but so did the Thebans, and they eventually collided at Neon where they gave battle. We don't have much in the way of details for the battle, but we do know that the Amphictyonic League secured a victory. Philomelus was driven back towards a cliff's edge, and he was wounded and not wanting to be captured, threw himself off the cliff. Some of the mercenary force had survived, and so did Philomelus's second-in-command, Onomarchus. They returned back to Delphi. This was a major victory for the Amphictyonic League, but for some reason, they did not follow up on it. As the remainders of Philomelus's army skulked back to Delphi, a siege of the city could finish them off. However, it never came, though. The Theban forces, returning back to Thebes, then quickly went off to the Persian Empire to help quell a revolt by the governor of the Persian Empire against the Persian king. The Amphictyonic League had assumed incorrectly that with Philomelus dead and the army defeated, they had won the war. Onomarchus would soon dissuade them of this notion. Now, with the bulk of the Theban forces gone from Greece, the war would continue. Onomarchus rallied support from Phocus, but the recent defeat had them made them lean towards peace. Still, Onomarchus pushed to continue the war, and delegates from Athens and Sparta came to give them their support. Phocus was in a tough spot, because if they surrendered, they would be in a much worse position than they had been when the original fine of 1,000 talents had been levied on them. And so, they resolved to keep the war going. Despite that, Onomarchus was forced to purge politicians within the city of Phocus to, who did not want to lend support to his cause. Now in complete control, Onomarchus had made his brother Philos his second-in-command. Onomarchus decided to even go harder than Philomelus and raided the treasury of Delphi, raising a force of 20,000 soldiers, larger than anything Greece could put together. Then, in 354, Onomarchus attacked the eastern Locrians at the city of Thronian, and after beating them, took the city, and now controlled the majority of central Greece. After bullying the other powers into allying with him, and after the display of force, they now capitulated. With the Theban forces in Persia, central Greece had become under control of Onomarchus. This left Thessaly as the only force left in the fight. 
Thessaly would then undergo the aforementioned civil war split that I had talked about earlier in the episode. Lycophon and Pithalaeus would take control of Phere and split the Thessalian League in half. Now, Onomarchus saw a chance to keep Thessaly divided and to make allies support of the new tyrants of Phere. He sent them tons of monetary assistance. This is when the city of Larissa asked Macedonia for aid. Philip was invested in aiding his allies in Thessaly and wanted to show being his friend came with perks. In 354, Philip marched to Larissa to meet up with his allies and after doing so, moved on towards the city of Phere. The tyrants of Phere holed up in their city and requested aid from Phocus. Onomarchus was busy securing his western flank by taking the cities of Orchomenos and Chaeronea, which meant that the Thebans would only be able to march towards Phocus via one route when they returned. It was around this time Onomarchus received news of the Macedonian movements towards Phere. Wanting to keep Thessaly occupied, Onomarchus would send his brother Phylos and 7,000 soldiers to aid Phere. Now, with Macedonia called into Thessaly to help aid matters for the Thessalian League, Philip would be drawn into the wider conflict afflicting ancient Greece. We'll leave it here for now, with Philip about to siege Phere and the Phocians on the way to aid them. Today's episode may have felt like a lot, but I want to provide the greater political conflict in ancient Greece at the time, because Philip will use this war to present himself to the Greeks as a pious and wise ruler. Like always, if you like what you heard, give the podcast five stars in review. I'll have maps on Instagram so you can see that at pinpoint underscore history. And like always, you can email me at thepinpointhistory at gmail.com with any questions you may have. Thank you so much for listening and let's get it.